People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to our Winter House Mega episode. Hey Is. It is a pleasure to be here. <laughs> we have binged this. We listened to you and we are so excited to debrief every single thing. I want to start out by saying you guys were so right. Not recapping this really felt sinful. Oh, I am not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. And we were so wrong. I don't really know why. We just didn't feel the urge to watch it or recap it. I think there was so much housewives noise going on while this started airing. And once I started watching and sat down and was maybe four minutes into the first episode, I texted Emma like, what the hell are we doing? We love Southern Charm. We love Summer House. We loved season one of Winter House. It just felt so right. And I'm so glad that you guys really pushed us to get to this point. Well, that's what I was going to say, because a lot of people were asking, did you guys not watch season one? One, because if you didn't, you may not have known that you would like season two. But second of all, it's important context to have. And we did watch it. And like you said, we really liked it. I don't know. It was an out of sight, out of mind thing. But what's in the past is in the past. We're here now. I'm ready to get into this. And I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, quite frankly. Same. (laughs) Wait. Also, right before we started recording, we were talking about how it just feels chaotic. Sometimes when we sit down in front of the mic, we can just tell it's about to be a little chaos. And I said that to Isabel and she was like, yeah, I feel like we're giving Andy when he's doing a Southern Charm or Summer House reunion. And I was like, yes. When you said that, it really, really hit for me because I feel like that is the exact energy that we are mimicking. Something about this show and Southern Charm and Summer House just gives you that freedom. And I feel like we are really embracing that and I'm ready, ready to dive right in. So the way that we've organized this, and I say that term loosely because I just have to imagine this won't be that organized, but of course we still have a very lengthy outline. It's not by episode, it's really by plot point. So we have the whole Jess and Luke thing. We have Paige and Craig. We have the girl drama, Kyle and Amanda, all of it together. But how do you feel about starting out with just a general overview of the cast and some of the new members? I feel great because I think this is a super strong baseline cast. So we have Austin, Craig, Paige, Sierra, Kyle, Amanda, Jason, Luke, and then of course the newbies, Corey, Rachel, and Jessica. I think the additions were amazing casting. 
I like that they actually feel somewhat organic. And I also have loved the way that they've pulled in and out, almost like these guest stars, like who's ringing at the door? Oh, surprise, behind door number one, it's Tom and Tom. They stay for an episode and then they leave. Then we have a break and then boom, Carl and Lindsay show up, stir the pot, and then they leave. Like, I just think it's a really, really well done formula. And we have enough drama with the cast in the house and we have some hookups and romantic flames, which obviously is always important, ranging from Jason and Rachel, who are really taking things slow, to Jessica and Corey, who are just having sex all the time, all the way up to Craig and Paige, and then Amanda and Kyle, who are married. And I love just all of the range that we're getting, and also just the tangled webs we're getting because of how many people have hooked up with each other or have interest in each other. Yes. And one thing I want to add to that is really one of my biggest takeaways is like, I feel that Jason is getting the respect he deserves, not necessarily from the cast members, but from the general Bravo fan base in in a way that he was not fully appreciated in season one. And I think even on his own, he really is a stand-up guy, but specifically in comparison to some of the other men there, he really stands out in a very positive way. Um, I would actually go as far as to say they represent maybe two ends of a spectrum when you range from like a Jason to a Craig slash Austin in so many different ways. But I'm glad you're right that people are recognizing him. I think in the house too, they're all just saying, what a fucking gem this guy is. And he's getting screen time, respect, airtime. He's back for a second season. Like I love him and I hope he stays around for a long time. Yes. And another point, which I know I'm kind of starting with the end first here, which I should start out by saying, let me give a trigger warning because throughout this episode, I'm sure we'll be discussing Lindsay's miscarriage and other things associated with that. But if I'm going to speak totally honestly, I don't think that I had considered the miscarriage from his perspective previously, because obviously it was so told through her lens, specifically when she was talking about it on Summer House, that hearing it from him, I think one, it was really interesting. But second of all, it really reminded me of like they had a relationship and even if it was a seemingly fleeting romance like they were about to be connected for forever and you know of course that that did not happen but it's it, it jolted me back i don't know hearing him talk about it in the level of seriousness and and upset and even when he was talking with the guy saying like he was so excited for this i was almost Like, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, I was almost a little bit embarrassed that I had completely not given any thought to his experience when I had been thinking about this previously. Well, I think that just goes to show that the way that the shows are framed really, really dictates our mindsets because that happened. And then you're right. We only saw Lindsay on Summer House from her perspective. And we heard it through her lens and honestly experienced it the way she did. And a lot of it, I think we were focused on knowing that her and Carl were together and how she was telling him in the beginning of the summer and everything that went along with that. And then the summer ended and then time passed. And then here we are now at Winter House. A lot of time had gone by and we haven't heard from him since last season. Honestly, barely since finding out that any of that had happened, we have heard from him. So to now be jolted into this, you're right. It was really honestly such a mind fuck. Like when Lindsay is coming into the house, it's not just exes. It's like two people who had some big life thing happen to them together. And you look at them now and they're kind of like strangers. 
Well, that's what I was going to say, because think about it. So many times on these Bravo shows, when, you know, a new person is entering the house or entering a situation, everyone dramatizes it like, oh, you guys are going to have to have a conversation. How do you think that's going to be? And it's over something that is really so trivial. And this was one of those situations where like the awkwardness wasn't being dramatized. There was a really serious conversation or at least a conversation in general that needed to take place. And I know we haven't seen the full extent of that yet, but I, I don't know. I was just feeling for him and, and both of them and the entire situation in a way that I was completely disconnected from before. And I think that that is one of the parts of this season without even seeing the whole season, I can say confidently that will really stick. I don't even know how much of it we're going to see, but for me, it also really shook into perspective. Then like Austin and Sierra or Austin and Lindsay having a like quote awkward conversation or having to reunite after the things that they've gone through together. It was like, okay, that is so silly in comparison that it almost felt like crazy to me that we were comparing all of them within the same episode when it's like, no, this is like real. This completely transcends the show and all of like the hookup web dynamics that we're so used to talking about. No, totally. It was really different than what we're used to on these shows. Starting off real heavy there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. But I want to say, I want to switch gears for a second and just acknowledge to your point about how the new additions did feel a lot more natural than normal. I appreciate that. Like, listen, am I the biggest fan of Jess? Absolutely not. And we will get into that. Am I the biggest fan of Corey? No. But do I think that Corey being Craig's little in the frat and then coming onto the show makes a whole lot of sense, especially finding out that he was maybe going to be on season one of Southern Charm? Like, I can appreciate how we got from point A to point B because so much of the time, like, for example, when Karen Huger is bringing in Mia and it's like some convoluted story, it's like, just tell us that, that she was, you know, next on the Cast. casting line. Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. So it's like, I can appreciate the authentic connection like it's very rare on a show like this that you're going to get a new cast member and you're going to get an old photo of them with an existing cast member that shit doesn't typically happen i wanted to take a shot every time they pulled up that old photo of Corey and craig at the club or whatever and caught the frat house in college and Corey'd say like yeah craig back in the day like they really harped on that the first couple of episodes and honestly i just appreciate the effort because how easily they probably could and do bring in completely random people that would make good TV. At least they all had some sort of connection. And I, I can appreciate the pre-existing relationships because I also think it benefits them and it plays into the dynamics living in the house. Oh, absolutely. When I was reading some of the responses to the question box, the overwhelming feedback on Jess was people like really, really not being down for her. Like a lot of people were like, I hate Jess. I hate Jess. And my response, and I even said this to you a few days ago, I don't hate her. I genuinely feel bad for her because I think having such a large ego and then simultaneously being so deeply insecure is a really unfortunate combination to have in a person. And I think honestly, it must be a, a deep internal conflict that she deals with on a daily basis. Like there is so much going on with that girl and you you see it come out in ways that I, to use the term self-destructive, I think is aggressive for what she's exhibited so far. But I think maybe in a circumstance outside of Winter House, it could be like, I just, there's just a lot happening there. Well, on top of all of that, 
I think all of her characteristics are the exact type of person who not only shouldn't be on a show, but shouldn't be on this kind of show where you're stuck in a house with a bunch of people who are already friends. You're opening yourself up to so much scrutiny. There's like romantic guys, girls, relationships involved. And the internet feels like they have the ability to say whatever the fuck they want about you. So I just feel like all of those things are completely piling on problems that she seems to already be having. And it's just, it's just not a good situation. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying in terms of like actually being a Bravo celebrity will only exacerbate some of the existing issues. But even just within the show before any of like the quote fame happened, you see even in her issue with the girls, like I am not at all saying that Paige, Amanda and Sierra do not have the potential to be clicky. They totally do and are at times. This to me was not an example of them being clicky. I actually thought that they were overly engaging with her, overly warm, genuinely wanted to make her feel comfortable. Like I didn't feel that tension, which isn't to say that her experience is invalid, but once she started to explain it, you can hear the place that it's coming from. And it's like, it, so much more is happening inside of her than is representative of like what she's actually experiencing, you know? Yeah. A lot of you guys who wrote in were saying that she gives pick me energy, which I think is very valid. And a lot of it seemed like she's more of a guy's girl than a girl's girl, which there's no problem with, but you could just tell that she was really fumbling and felt clumsy trying to form a relationship with these girls, which by the way, is probably so intimidating. They've been not just friends, but like co-stars and they are in this whole world together. It's not an easy thing to break into, but I just think it's not something that she's naturally good at. So then to have to do it into a group that's pretty solid and on TV while everybody's watching you, it's just an awkward fucking situation. And I just feel like she was never going to win and she had unrealistic expectations of what she was going to get. Also, like... Yeah, in that whole confrontation, Paige got a little bit mean and she apologized for it the next day. Like when she woke up, the first thing she said was, I, I was way too aggressive. It she was wrong for that, but also I got why she was so pissed. I got why she was like, no, 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 no. Th there's, there is no way. I mean, I don't think Paige necessarily was like rolling out the red carpet for her. I think she was definitely being nice. I don't know if she was like, really trying to make sure Jess was super included, but Jess wasn't giving the energy that she even wanted to be included. So Paige was feeding off of that. But I have to say, this is a moment where having someone like Rachel, I felt was so important because she operates, I would say, the opposite of Jess in the way where she just is happy to insert herself. She knows exactly how to like break the ice, have no boundaries up, not be intimidated. Like she's like, I just go in, I sit, I make myself heard. And now I feel like I'm a part of the group, you know, like you got to fake it till you make it almost. And it was so important to have a person like her who operates different than Jess because she proved that it can be done and also wasn't like in the corner letting Jess think that this was like the only way that things could be. No, Rachel's cool. Like I'm, I am very much a fan of hers. I think that it was important that she communicated that. Obviously, they're on a reality show. I do think, though, if I'm Jess, I was probably a little bit thrown by that because I think in her mind, 
she felt that she was confiding in Rachel. Like, I don't think any part of her ever expected Rachel to then go tell them. But again, that's that's the name of the game. I think she probably thought Rachel would at least stick with her. Like, yes, in that moment, Rachel was going against her, but she's also right. And she's also her own person. She's not just going to stick with this girl because they're both the newbies, you know? Like, yeah, maybe there's some kind of code. But in this moment, I think Rachel had to make the decision, like, I'm not going stooping down to her level when I could be thriving on my own. Right, right. (laughs) Wait, I've been waiting to say this to you. When Tom and Tom came and they walk in and like the house is just a fucking disaster, like objectively disgusting. Don't get me started on that. No, I know. Like, I think we've said this before, but like that is Isabel's personal hell friend for you guys. Like, truly her personal hell. But when Tom Sandoval says, you know, everyone is is so concerned and feels so bad about the house being a mess. And for me, I walk in and I see that and I'm not thinking this is gross. I'm thinking, wow, they had a great time. And in that moment when he said it, I really was like, damn, there are two types of people in this world. Like one <laughs> person me that walks and there's Tom right, Sandoval. There's, there's Tom Sandoval. There's the person that walks in and has a full-blown panic attack, immediately needs to walk outside to compose himself. And then there's the guy that's like, damn, you guys had fun. No, there's Tom Sandoval and there's Carl. Carl comes in. He's not even living there. He didn't contribute to the mess. And he's picking up a broom and he's like, there's glass everywhere. This is disgusting. You guys trash this house. And even Craig is like, if we can't trash the house, it's not a good time. Like everyone just, why? You know what? Because I don't have to be there, I'm happy for them to trash it if it's going to be more entertaining for us. And specifically with the Toms, they really added a lot for me. I was so happy to see them in this element and together. And also we got so much more out of Schwartz about like the current status at the time of what was going on with Katie than I was expecting at all. No, I know. And we may have seen this in the preview. I think I just forgot, but like it wasn't on my bingo card for Schwartz and Kyle to have this real heart to heart. And then for Schwartz and his confessional to be like, I I couldn't, you know, bear to tell them the truth that Katie has already served me with divorce papers. Yeah, it was it was a great surprise because there's nothing that we love more than like the melding of the universes and also something that we've been so curious about and we've only heard Honestly, more from Katie's side and obviously not in real time when things were going down. It's like this little secret that we all had together. I just love the Toms. And there's a reason that they've survived so many shows on so many seasons and have really been successful and stood the test of time and are still continuing to be as entertaining as they were on season one of Vanderpump Rules. And this just proves that you could plop them anywhere and have an incredible episode of TV. Every single person was happy they were there. It was no drama. It was a, just pure fun. You know, like they are in it. You know, when you say like commit to the bit, they commit to the good time regardless of what that is. Oh, they are like, they are the bit. They are the blueprint of the bit. Yeah. I also have to say, and a lot of people said this in the question box, I genuinely from like a place of curiosity don't understand how they can drink that much and then be so fine the next day. It's like, not to say they don't acknowledge their hangovers, but I would say on the on the whole, like they get right back at it and they're not 21 anymore. That's the thing. Kyle's like 40. Not only do they wake up fine, they start again the next night. It's a lot of drinking, but I think it's like you're just hyped up on adrenaline for the whole filming of the show and you know you have to make good content and have fun. They make these themed parties. It's like 
it's like in college when we'd have like three really good themed frat parties in a row. Like sometimes you just had to do what you had to do. They really rally. I guess it is the filming of it. Not to say that like they wouldn't be doing that regardless, but they're only there for what, 14 days? Like it kind of is a lot of pressure to make good TV. The one thing I will tell you that Craig Conover was right about, he obviously went about it in the complete wrong, most douchey way physically possible. But I would definitely be having a cleaning service up in there because I know it would all fall in my lap and that house needed professionals. Okay. I want to talk about this Craig thing. Let's get into the (laughs) Craig elephant in the room. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. The way that I have felt watching these episodes so far is that I would say historically on Southern Charm, not to say we have not criticized Craig in the past because we certainly have, but... I feel we've really rode for him, specifically in the face of Shep. You know, he was the little engine that could. And even when he went about things the wrong way, we were kind of here to defend him and see his perspective and things. And what I wanted to say is, Craig, you lost me. I don't think you're a bad person, but holy shit. This was like, I don't know if I 
am being dramatic. To me, this was like really bad. Like, oh my God, I have so much to say because I want to talk about like the page aspect, but I almost want to remove page for the first part of this discussion. It was so clear to me that he was coming in on a high horse for a multitude of reasons. And I don't know how much of that has to do with like the Bravo seniority, but that always exists on some level. I think it's underlying no matter who the person is, no matter what show, but for it to be on display in this way, combined with the aspects of his personality that are a little douchier, it was, it was rough to watch. It was hard to root for him. It was crazy how many people wrote in and said, I've loved Craig. I've supported Craig. I thought he was funny and always had his antics, but this season so far, he's really lost me. And I get it. I think he's always been like on a level of a little bit of delusion and had a douchey side of him, but this felt like it was to another level and he totally came in and definitely was on a high horse, like thought, I can't believe you guys live like this. Is this how you do every summer? Is this how you've done winter house in the past? Like, by the way, as if he hasn't been around a time or two, like, you know how this goes, but maybe it's like newfound money. Maybe it's that he was with Paige. I don't know. Or he just is really getting in his own head and the ego is out of control. The way he was talking to everyone and treating everyone and also just treating like the art of the show was so disrespectful and the way that he handles all of it. Like when you really break it all down, maybe his words and his feelings aren't necessarily bad. Like it's okay to want to have the house clean. It's okay to say Paige and I are a couple, you know, maybe it's our turn to have the primary bedroom, but throwing the money out and the sense of entitlement and, and his just tone and delivery are so awful and distracting in every way. Like I, I saw him in such a different light. And honestly, it was really sad because I think he's really crossed over a threshold of being tolerable versus completely delusional. Yeah. And can I tell you, honestly, something that it made me think is like, have I viewed him to be more tolerable because he was in the company of Shep and Thomas Ravenel, like, you know, it, it was almost like, okay, I really like Craig and Charleston. The second Craig is next to Jason, fuck that. <laughs> like, this is how a, a, oh a real God. man acts. You know what I mean? It was like when you were saying earlier, opposite ends of the spectrum, that's kind of what it was. It, it really turned me off. And okay, I, I want to talk about him and Paige, but I, I want to shift gears for a second because I, I won't want to get into the Luke and Jess conversation and starting out with the Craig aspect of it all. Let me make something really clear. Jessica was obviously uncomfortable with Luke's actions, and even if he did not have bad intentions, he went about it the completely wrong and inappropriate way. And I am so happy that that was explained to him. He was receptive. She felt heard, and she felt safe, and that ended because I couldn't watch that go on for another day. So that needed to be handled, and Luke was entirely in the wrong, and I'm very glad that it was. That being said, I understand the idea of men holding other men accountable. It, it's something that we as women, you know, need. We we constantly are asking more of that because unfortunately, men oftentimes listen to men more than they listen to a woman telling them the same thing. It's fucked up, but it's true. It's kind of the age old argument of like a guy's trying to hit on you at the bar. You tell him you're not interested. He's not going away. You tell me you have a boyfriend. 
he goes away. And it's like that famous concept of like the, the guy is willing to respect a man that he doesn't even know more than the woman standing right in front of him. So I am appreciative to Craig for seeing what was going on and knowing that he had to do something in order to remove Jess from that situation. At the same time, the way that he went about it, and maybe this is like me personalizing it a little because I don't, I think everybody has a different experience and like it's it's very much how you feel. If that was me and I was just in the situation, yes, I would have been appreciative, but I think I would have been so pissed that your rage like took took over in a way that didn't even allow me to express myself in the way that I wanted to kind of. It was like, there's a difference between explaining to someone that they are doing something wrong and what they are doing needs to end and rightfully being upset and mad and then making them feel like they are the absolute scum of the earth and like they are a vile human being. And I'm sorry, Luke was off base, but he is not a vile human being. And the lack of separation I felt was really upsetting. Well, what was upsetting for me about this and also on Jessica's behalf was Yes, Craig was upset that Luke was touching Jessica in that way, and he was able to read her body language and sort of see from an outside perspective what was going on and maybe cues that Luke clearly wasn't picking up on. But it was really once Luke went over and pet, quote, pet Paige in like a very friend-loving way, like they have a very close relationship. I don't think Paige was uncomfortable by that at all, but it definitely set something off in Craig, especially after seeing Jess, like all in that one moment. And on top of it, I think Craig had so much built up animosity and almost rage and anger against Luke built up inside of him that he was waiting to let out because they'd been in the house for a couple of days already. And clearly these things he was doing were annoying him. But about their stupid 4th of July thing when he set off the fireworks and Luke like kicked him out and they got into a whole fight. I just feel like Craig was waiting to unleash on Luke and this moment presented itself and he saw Luke doing something that he saw as wrong and then on top of it, it also included his girlfriend and touching her in a way that he seized that opportunity. Exactly. And my thing is like, okay, you have frustration towards Luke, heard and understood. Okay, you are picking up on Jess's body language and you want to say something? Totally fair, appreciated, thank you. It was the conflation and the lack of acknowledgement of the conflation that was upsetting for me to watch because the rage that he met Luke with did not fit the circumstance. And I, right, like, let me be clear. Luke is not the victim here. Like, I was, I'm very clearly, of course, I've literally been in that situation. I am 100,000% like with Jess and her discomfort. Like, none of that. I'm, I'm there. Don't like, of course. But it was not fair. I thought the way that he went about it was like really cruel. I get you're pissed. I think he, the the constant, he wouldn't let up. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like you're dealing with he a, turned a it guy. into the Craig show. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Immediately you lose me when your message is that you are there protecting Jess, which I do believe you were. I mean, you hated watching that. It was uncomfortable to watch. Of course, you immediately lose me when your own ego and your own rage now gets thrown in. It's not fair because her best interest isn't at the forefront then. I mean, she was like freaked out by the whole thing. Right. And also like it was probably uncomfortable from start to finish all of it. She barely knows Luke. She doesn't know Paige. She doesn't know Craig. Like he made it the Craig show and he's 
yelling about her. And yeah, his intention was probably to get it to stop and for Luke to realize he was doing something wrong, but it did her no favors or it did her less of a favor by reacting this way. This is my problem with Craig is like, just when you think that he's getting way more mature and I've been watching him off camera and listening to him on his podcast, on Paige's podcast, on Paige's stories, on Watch What Happens Live, and you're like, maybe he is really a new guy. Like, he'll always have that edge, and he'll always be sort of like a young Southern charm frat kid at heart, but maybe he is seeing things from a different perspective and maturing, and then boom, something like this happens. And honestly, I think that's how Paige was feeling too. Like, who the fuck is this guy, and why, when he gets under the roof of a house with people of his same age and starts drinking, does this switch flip? We have to talk about the page aspect of it. I mean, oh, I have so much to say. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're gonna wanna get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need, it's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Like, this was a really, really vulnerable look at a couple that, even though it seems like they've been dating forever, haven't, like a relatively new couple understanding each other in a new way. And we were then getting to see that. And she was biting her tongue. You know, she didn't want to rock the boat. But you see her wheels turning of almost like, holy shit, 
there's like two sides of this that I think were probably going through her mind and also what they were trying to do here. One is that they are long distance. They have not ever spent this much consecutive time together. So they are like as the two of them learning what it's like to be together and live together for this long. Okay. The circumstances are anything but normal and probably won't happen unless they're filming these shows for weeks at a time, like which won't be forever. But that on its own is like pressure. It's weird. It's scary. But then they're also in this super heightened situation. The other side of it is that I think both of them, but specifically it's harder for Paige, is learning what it's like to be in a couple and realize that his problems are your problems, your problems are his problems, you're going to be looked at as a unit. I'm not saying that every spouse has to take on their partner's problems or that you can't separate two people once they're in a relationship at all, but you know how it is. There's always going to be a tie, a connection there. And when Craig says something outlandish, it definitely falls and feels like it becomes Paige's problem. That's just, I think, how the relationships, I think that's just how a lot of relationships work. So she is now processing like, okay, I have a boyfriend who is going to do and say all these things. And here I am like kind of standing there like a deer in a headlights, like, what do I do? How do I handle this? And I think it was so like sad, but also so important that she had Amanda there to be like, hey, what's it like when you have a boyfriend who says these psycho outlandish things and drinks too much and can hurt your feelings and your friend's feelings? Like, what do you do? And Amanda was there to just give her like this sage advice. And I thought that dynamic was so interesting, but also the flashbacks of like Paige giving Amanda and also Kyle such a hard time when he would do things of similar caliber and not stand for it or say to Amanda, like, how can you stick by somebody when they do this? You know, it just all definitely is something to think about. It is. And I do think, say what you want about Paige and Amanda, I do believe that their friendship is real and authentic. And I think that you have to have a certain level of closeness with a person and a certain like complete lack of judgment, jealousy, resentment to now have your best friend who criticized you and your husband so heavily for situations in the past going through the exact same thing and like really being able to tune in and handle it with her without any kind of hmm, told you so. Like I genuinely do not believe that that was her energy. I think she was able to separate the two. I don't think that Amanda holds resentment for Paige. No, I don't either. And I also think they both are almost able to realize how lucky they are to have the other one because this is such a niche problem and place and position to be in. Like to have a dynamic like that between both couples that is very similar and also beyond these shows and the boys happen to be acting out and do things in very similar ways. Like that is such a gift, honestly, more for Paige. Amanda had to like pave this path on her own, but for Paige to be able to look at Amanda who is now married to Kyle and seemingly in such a good place who they've been through this exact thing before. I mean, God, she should be counting her lucky stars. Yeah. Oh, and I think that she is really appreciative. I mean, going back to the thing about your partner in some ways being a reflection of you, it's kind of like when they say, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by who they surround themselves with, even just with platonic friendships. Like, I think that's another thing that 
Paige was experiencing a little bit of internal panic about of like, wait, this is not at all how I want to be perceived. And I consciously do not behave anywhere even remotely like this. So now how do I make sense of the fact that this person that I'm in love with and one-on-one and in many situations is so you know, positive for me, both to me and then as a reflection of me, is also a fucking monster. I think what was really kind of hard to watch is that you saw her stopping herself from reacting in the way that she normally would and speaking up. I mean, she's not someone who's afraid to speak up, but I think her biggest fear was like, quote, making the situation even worse. Because it's one thing when your boyfriend's fighting with everyone, that's terrible. You just want to like crawl under a rock. It's another thing when he's fighting with everyone. And then on top of that, he's also fighting with you. Then it's just a disaster. And so you saw her consciously holding back in a way that I think is also frustrating because that's inauthentic to who she is. I like Paige so much. And I understand in a really crazy way why she like loves Craig and I think they actually have an incredible relationship and I do think that they'll get married and live happily ever after. I also think all the times that they're not filming the show or in these like high pressure social situations, things are dandy. Like they're having a great old time. They're going back and forth from Charleston to New York, two of the best cities in the world. They're shooting their shows. They're having fun. Like their careers are bustling. What could be wrong? But I I can't believe she didn't get the ick so badly watching him handle these things and being like, oh, yeah, that's going to be the father of my children. Like, I'm so proud to be his partner. I think she was really internally struggling with, like, what do I do and how is this person the same person that I was with two weeks ago having a lovely candlelit dinner in Charleston and he's in a peacoat being so lovely and, like, sweeping me off my feet? You know, how can the both of those people exist? And I don't know. It's like, it's so hard because they don't want to give up the show, but also that's still inside of him. Like you can't only blame being on the show. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I think that she like was getting the ick. She was just getting the ick on national television and trying to like make sense of this in her mind. But exactly to that point about the show, totally it's a catalyst for this mayhem. I mean, part of it is the fact that we were talking about earlier, like they're under pressure to make good TV. They, in their minds, good TV comes from drinking. You know, drinking causes chaos. All, all this shit, like fine. But if you don't have that in you, it can't come out. And that's another thing she was probably struggling with. Like, honest to God, I'm glad it's not because I've loved the various amount of plots that we have gotten this season. You could do an entire show from just Paige's perspective of watching Craig because that is like insight into a relationship that you don't normally get because people want to show you the highlight reel. They want to show you, you know, when they're at their absolute best, even when they're posting, you know, he's in New York and they're posing in the gorgeous mirror in her apartment and they're dressed to the nines. Like that's what they want to post, of course. And that's what we as the audience are so happy to see. But then you're seeing those stories at the same time that episode six of Winter House is airing and you're realizing like she's panicking internally. I will say also one major difference that I've seen so far is that Craig doesn't necessarily get mad or take his anger out on Paige, whereas Kyle and Amanda were always fighting with each other. Not always, but like it was it was always a result of whatever was going on was that like Amanda was at the receiving end of Kyle's frustration. 
So I guess that's like a kind of saving grace and also a way that Paige is able to separate herself because it's not with her and he doesn't take out frustration on her or pick a fight with her because he's mad at Luke or somebody else. But she also kind of knows how to handle him. Like she knows how to talk him down. She knows what to say. And he definitely flips a switch when he's around her and she brings out a softer side of him, which is great. But like we have a lot more work to do here. Well, I think from what we've seen so far, and obviously, you know, she's continuing to seek Amanda's advice in terms of how to handle it. The major glaring difference is that if you go back to Summer House, like in the heat of the moment, when Kyle was really going off, Amanda would get involved, which a lot of the times would then incite fights between them. And what we've seen so far is that Paige has kind of run away. You know, there's been a few times where she's tried to stop him, but she does not want to be there for it. It's too uncomfortable for her. And so I think she disagrees is, with him too. But uh, but what I'm saying is like Amanda disagreed with Kyle and she would make it very vocal in the moment. Paige will vocalize that after the fact, the next morning when they wake up sober and they talk about it. There's a okay. very big difference when you're confronting someone like in the moment. I don't know then how Craig would react. You know, like right. it, I don't know because I also think at the time in the past, Kyle and Amanda did have more just like isolated relationship issues than Paige and Craig seem to have. It doesn't seem like just them, the two of them have that many issues. I was blown away while watching that we were getting this level of insight because it was really raw. I mean, this is also like probably one of the most vulnerable times in any relationship, the point that they're at now. So to like stick themselves in a house with all these other people and also be on national television with so much alcohol involved, like that is risky. And honestly, for them to make it out of that alive and still be going strong, like you got to give them some kudos for that, at least. I do want to get into Kyle and Amanda for a second, really just to say, like, damn. That Who are these cannot, people? Yeah, no, it was wild, especially if you watched last season of Summer House. when They were going through it in, in the heat of the wedding planning and COVID and all of that to now see this blissful existence that they seemingly have. I feel that you can experience nothing but like a lot of nachas, as my grandpa would say. <laughs> that means pride I in really, Yiddish. I really have to retract everything I said last season of Summer House where I was so convinced that this whole wedding bullshit was such a scapegoat. Like, yes, wedding planning is hard, but like it's not this hard. Like they're crying over what? The flowers, the venue, like it's a lot, but – it shouldn't turn your relationship on its head. And you know what? Maybe for them it did. Clearly for them it did. And by the way, what a happy ending. They now have their florist in the house with them being like one of the best new additions to the show. It just, I'm so happy for them. I hope this keeps up. And Kyle is still fun and funny and Amanda is still like bubbly and great, but they sort of are like the old married couple of the house. And I never thought I'd see the day. I was going to say that about having Rachel there. Like, I am so glad she is. I'm just shocked that it's not triggering for them. Like, <laughs> I, know. I feel like I can't believe that they have any, you know, constant reminder of their wedding. I feel like they needed at least two years to kind of decompress from all of that. Yet they're throwing the florist right in right in the mix. But maybe that was the only aspect of the wedding that actually went well. It, I think it was, honestly. It's like exposure yeah. therapy for them. <laughs> So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who 
know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. The thing about Carl and Lindsay coming is that the way that it was presented to us, especially with Austin kind of dropping this bomb right beforehand, is that, you know, they each have these conversations that need to be had. And it's like, yes, maybe that's true. I mean, specifically, uh, obviously, Lindsay and Jason do need to speak. But I was so not concerned with the Austin aspect of it. I was so much more like entirely just focused on them as a couple. This was the first time we've seen them as a couple on camera. Like, of course, we've seen on Instagram and, you know, watch what happens and any of that. But like, this is what we will be seeing on Summer House. This was our first understanding of them as an official couple on a Bravo show. And one, like to see that, but then also to see the way that they were received or lack thereof by the house was really something to witness. They really came in like a tornado. I mean, Lindsay especially, they didn't do anything. Like here they are thinking they're just going to have a nice weekend, probably stir up a little drama and then get out of there. But when you really think about how many connections are going on there between Lindsay and Sierra, they had a lot of beef last summer. Then Lindsay and Austin, Lindsay and Jason had this whole huge life altering thing that went on between the two of them. Plus, we're getting to see, like you said, Lindsay and Carl interacting for the first time ever and probably one of the first times that a lot of them get to actually spend a lot of quality time with them as a couple and not just like really good friends. It, it was so 
like overstimulating that I really had to like sit back and process. I'm going to put a link to this in our description of the episode because it's too much to get into right now and we could probably do a whole other hour on it. But the account She Speaks Bravo did a full timeline breakdown of basically how Paige and Lindsay's relationship has transformed and sort of what happened from the end of Summer House to the reunion and then in turn into Winter House because, you know, at the reunion they were like really awkward, uncomfortable. Paige wouldn't even look at her and sort of just like what the dynamics are there. So that's another layer on top of all of this of like, oh my God, what what is going on? Yeah, I really want to give that account a shout out. Of course, we will put the link in the description, but it's at She Speaks Bravo. And this was some deep dive. It's one thing to do a text deep dive. It's another thing to do a text deep dive and then add in accompanying video footage to make the point. Like, you, you this went was serious there investigative I, journalism. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Maybe I'm all, like, maybe I'm alone in this. I'm like less concerned about the deterioration of Paige and Lindsay's friendship because I just never felt that it was fully there i'm and i'm also less interested in the like austin Lindsay thing we got a dm from someone that said digging for a fracture in the Lindsay carl timeline is so dumb neither were ready at amanda's wedding to take it to the next level nor were they even dating so what if Lindsay tried to drunkenly hook up with a familiar face craig slept with naomi twice when he and Paige were dating honestly don't think carl would care when he finds out and making his storyline is stupid Like, of course, I understand that they have a show to film and Austin saying that Lindsay grabbed his dick the same night that, you know, she was starting things with Carl, like, is salacious. But I completely agree with this. Like, clearly, that's not impacting them. Clearly, whatever happened is not a big enough deal to have any sort of an implication on their current relationship. So I am so much more interested in just, like, the general reception that they got from the house. (laughs) shout out Sarah for that very insightful DM that I literally said yes out loud to when I read it. I agree with you. I think it is so clearly like it's interesting, but it's not revolutionary. And at this point, we're so many months past their wedding. Carl and Lindsay are totally fine. Lindsay seems to not give a fuck about Austin. It's only interesting because they are able to flashback to footage of last winter when Lindsay is drunkenly looking at Austin and saying, I'm in love with you. And then when you also think back to what happened this summer with her making out with Austin and really pissing Sierra off. Honestly, the most entertaining part of all of it was watching Austin sit in that chair while he's telling the girls that are laying in bed, this whole crazy story. And being able to confirm that it would be true because her grabbing his dick is like one of her signature moves. So therefore it checks out. Like, I I don't know. It just felt like in relation to other conversations and other things going on and things that needed to be said, this was really bottom of the totem pole for me. (laughs) Right. But also like two things about that just quick. One going off of the point of like everything is this crazy web the other person he's talking about is jason who is also in the house and now hooking up with someone else number one and sarah's in the bed while he's telling this to them by the way right right and number two he is acting like a dick grab is this completely previously unheard of thing like it's Lindsay's secret secretive move that no one else has ever done before like i'm like i hate to break it to you kid like (laughs) like who's gonna tell him I have something off my chest. All right. Please, this is, you can hear. Yes, thank you. Genuinely, and I mean this honestly, 
I am so happy for Carl and Lindsay. Like clearly they are over the moon and it's working for them. I take none of that away from them. However, I would be lying to you if I said that it feels the most natural to me. And I think that a lot of that is the bias I probably have from seeing them as such good friends for so long, which is also like, it kind of feels like a contradiction because if people are such good friends, I think it's so beautiful when they fall in love. I've loved falling in love in that way in in my life. But there's just something about it that doesn't feel organic. I can't tell if that's actual or if that's just the way that like I'm perceiving it. Because the, the amount of people that think that, there are just as many people that are like, oh my God, watching them, it feels so seamless. So I think it must be the lens that you're viewing it through. I feel like on paper, I am so down and everything about it is completely picture perfect. But seeing it in reality and I guess in video and hearing them call each other babe back and forth a million times, like it felt so jolting to like, I was like, what? Like the last time I saw you guys, you were like giving each other advice and so almost brother sisterly. So now to see them like so together as if, they've been together for their whole lives and also knowing that they end up getting engaged. Like even being boyfriend, girlfriend here is less jarring to me than when I really think about the fact that they will be getting married. But the whole thing is just so, so insane. And I feel like we only saw them for one episode and we feel that way. Imagine how we're going to feel watching them on Summer House when their relationship is even more developed and they fucking get engaged. Like we're going to see him get down on one knee. No, I can, I cannot wait for it. The other thing is when we put up that question box and like we said, you know, it's a free for all people really just say their unfiltered opinions because they know it's anonymous. It's not getting posted anywhere. The feelings on Lindsay seem to be very mixed because there's half the people that really feel like the negativity that she got was undeserved. I will not read the name, but you know who you are that said the undeserved negative vibes towards Lindsay make me nervous for her on Summer House. A lot of people felt that way and almost were feeling a little bit of resentment towards like Paige, Amanda, and Ciara for welcoming her in a way that they didn't feel was overly warm. And then there's a flip side of things of people that are not a fan of Lindsay and think that there's a reason that she has these burned bridges with people. My feeling on it is like, first of all, the one comment that was so not chill was when Jess and Craig were talking shit about her looks. Like, just mean. Like, if you're going to do it, don't do it on camera. You know what I mean? Like, don't do it at all, but specifically don't do it on camera. To me, that just felt super low. I hated that. I hated that. Like, it made me feel icky. Listen, no one's holier than thou. Everyone at times has said mean things about other people's looks. There's just something about not doing it on camera in a way that you know the person is going to see. It's wrong. It's not nice and it's mean. And then also the contrast of of Lindsay just being like, oh, yeah, she's like my hot little sister. By the way, bold for a girl that claims all she wants is compliments and then the first person that gives you a compliment, you insult her behind her back, automatically no. No. My thing is like – just stick with me here for a second because I know it may feel convoluted, but I, I, I have a point. I don't know if you're going to like if it's going to land, but I need to try to make it. OK. OK. When initially we found out that Danielle and Lindsay were feuding, I feel like the general response from the Bravo community was one. Wow, that's really sad. This seems like a very authentic friendship. And then second of all, like, I wonder what went wrong slash Danielle was probably fed up. It felt like the majority opinion, not overwhelming, but the majority opinion was like, You know, Danielle's been a really solid friend to her, and she's probably fed up with Lindsay's actions. 
But when Lindsay's having issues with like Paige, Amanda, and Sierra, it seems that the majority, not overwhelming, majority opinion is more on Lindsay's side. And I wonder, like, are are people's views on how in the wrong Lindsay is contingent on like the person she's fighting with? You know, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, maybe. I think it's all everybody just sort of weighing how they feel she's in every situation. It's not like Lindsay's always wrong. But it is definitely like an interesting point to make of how quickly people will gravitate to her side depending on who's on the other end of the argument. Right. I just think it's interesting that we're in this kind of unique situation where we get these people on multiple shows. So I wonder when she's on Summer House and now like Danielle's in the mix, what does that then look like in terms of like the public reception? I don't know. I've just, I just think it's interesting. I wonder if her appearance on this show will actually soften people before Summer House premieres. I mean, I think once Summer House comes on, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the best season for her, just given what we know goes down with Danielle. I mean, it might. She gets engaged to Carl. Like, who knows how she'll come across? It could be a high and a low. But I wonder if seeing her on this show in this environment will kind of soften people's opinions since last season we saw her like making out with Austin and she sort of was in a really lost transitional place that wasn't maybe boding so well for her if this will help sort of sway everyone going into the season to be like hey Lindsay's not that bad look how she was on Winter House right totally possible that's what I'm saying you either get the benefit of the other show or it can go in the opposite direction a la Craig, you know, like I don't think that going into next season of Southern Charm, whenever that is, that people's view of of Craig is going to be overwhelmingly positive because you don't forget, like the memories fade, but you don't entirely forget. I will never forget the way that he was in the beginning, his his complete aversion to cleaning. Like that was so gross. (laughs) I mean, that's not to say he was an angel on Southern Charm this season either. He had his fucking moments, but you're right. It's all about who he was around and also it was just it was just different i don't know yeah what else there's so much there's jess and Corey, rachel and jason like you could not have two more opposite trajectories of relationships yeah I, jess and Corey is like just fun like i don't really care even that it's them it's just funny and fun to have a couple in the house who's like fully having sex covering the cameras you have voiceovers of her like saying you want me to give you head like she's obviously so infatuated with him I think he's into her but it's just funny like the moments where Paige is like oh you guys get married right now and he's like freaking out and I think feels like it's moving so fast because they're literally living together but that's just kind of the name of the game and she is loving it (laughs) yeah it's, it's very funny. It almost has like real world energy, you know? Very much. Like very yeah. old school Jersey Shore. Yeah. And there's something about that that's a little bit fun. Oh my God. Are you kidding? I couldn't live without it. I, I really say what you want about either of them. I commend them and thank them for bringing that energy to the show. Remember last, I think it was, I don't know if it was Winter House or Summer House when Austin and Sierra were hooking up. And oh my he's, god! Like there was the subtitles of like I want to eat you back to fraud, like something super super dirty, and we were like, okay, bravo. Yeah, wow, I love when they push the boundaries. Yeah, no, we too. You know who loves when they push the boundaries? Andy, Andy Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think he's gonna go more than five minutes without bringing that up? No way. He's gonna say, "Hi, Corey, how are you?" Or "Hi, Jess, how are you?" And boom, at the reunion, drop that in one second. I know. 
Also, I will tell you that uh, Rachel is seemingly in a serious relationship with someone who is not Jason, but she seems to be really happy. She's like, like she's a cool girl. She's someone yeah. where you, you can tell like she warms up and she's she's a girl's girl. I'm very I'm very into. I thought she was a great casting choice. Me too, especially given like the rest of the cast, you needed someone kind of just like cool, very much the female version of Jason, like sort of just a grounding, cool presence who I think everybody feels really connected to and safe with and just happy to be around. Yes. And that's the thing on these shows. Like I would say the majority of people, people don't feel safe with. So when you find that person that does, they really stand out. You need it. Yeah, you totally need it. By the way, one of the truest moments from the entire episode is when Sierra's in her confessional and she's like, honestly, my question is, why would Austin want to bring Olivia into this? And that's exactly how I felt. Like everyone else aside, not even to protect anyone else's feelings. It's just like, do you know what's good for you? I feel like Austin's relationship in the last six episodes of Winter House with Olivia has seemed way more serious than it seemed the entire season of Southern Charm. Do you feel that way? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, we know like, now. Like, is it though, just being played up? I don't know. I mean, it was it was a different time. I guess it just feels like I don't know. He was never that like doting and committed and obsessed with her when they were on the show together, and now I've, maybe it's like distance makes the heart grow fonder or they're trying to really push the narrative that he has like this serious girlfriend at home but like I was like who is this guy no I know it was a little bit kind of bizarre to see him in the in that light I think the thing is like bringing her there or like the you know short-lived idea is kind of trifled one good tv even just the thought of it even if it's never going to happen adds to conversation gives us a great sierra confessional number two i think that austin in some ways is very short-sighted and like has this idea in the moment of oh that would be fun and kind of just thinks like you know a a little boy and that's where his mind is going and third as we know austin has a deep commitment to self-sabotage so potentially on some level there was a subconscious acknowledgement that bringing her would probably not be the best thing for their relationship Right. And also once he scoped out, like, is there is there anyone else I want to hook up with here? How do I feel about her after a couple of days apart? And then he was able to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. My God. I, <laughs> there's so much. I love this show. I really had such a fun time watching all the episodes in a row. Like, I am excited that we're caught up, but also I'm kind of sad that now I have to watch it week to week. But God, this was good. This was really good. I know. I had like I really had a lot of fun. And Me too. I'm glad we decided to do this. I'm glad that you guys encourage us to watch it. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I have to imagine if you're still listening, I guess you like the show, so <laughs> And thanks for being a it. part of the conversation. Yes, thank you for answering the question boxes. We loved reading them and uh, we will be back next week. Anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it. Okay. See you guys next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources. 
which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.